This is another episode, episode two of the Millennial Compass. My name is Kyle Grappone and my co-host with the mostest, hostess with the mostest, I don't know, something like that. I was on a roll, but now I'm not. Uh, Mr. Randy Walensky is with me. Randy, how you doing? I'm great, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing good. Uh, Halloween is, is coming around the corner. Oh, yeah? And, you got your uh, costume already? No, I uh kicking around a few ideas. I actually wanted to be Pee Wee Herman. Um and I was trying to get my wife to dress up as the bike, but that yeah, really nice. wasn't going far. Um Do you remember the yeah. puppet Randy on there who used to uh who used to start things on fire? Do you remember that from Pee Wee Herman? No, I just remember the movie. Oh, um, okay. I don't think I ever watched his uh his show. I just remember the movie with the bike and um I remember the scene when he <laughs> When he says, he says, I'm in Texas. He goes, you're not in Texas. And he goes, I am. Hold on one second. And he sings, he goes, the stars at night are big and bright. And everybody in the state of Texas sings to them. I always thought that was hilarious. Well, um, you have to check out Randy the puppet because I've been accused of looking like that little. He's like a little muscular <laughs> redhead puppet. I'm, I don't even have red hair. I always tell people. I said, I might have like a slight the slightest strawberry blonde tinge and you're calling me a redhead this is inaccurate but uh yeah you'll have to look it up and laugh see if it, if it reminds you of me no i definitely <clears throat> excuse me no i definitely will but yeah other than that everything's good um the uh the, the midterms are right around the corner which is uh like a mini super bowl for me uh not that because i'm political because i'm really not but as a marketing guy and somebody who likes to be entertained Man, to watch CNN and Fox News try to try to predict uh, over 500 races in one night and get all the quote unquote experts on there and all the things that go on. And I, I find that terribly entertaining. I'm the only person I know that does, but that's fine by me. Well, it's, it's um, like uh, two teams that you don't care about fighting. Is that what you're saying? You, you don't have a horse in this race or whatever. Your your team isn't in the Super Bowl. So you're like. Well, for you, what is it? What do you root for? You root for the Jets? What do you root for? I root for? for the Jets, which is they're never in the Super Bowl. No, uh, I root for the Mets. They're never in the World Series. But no, it's just it's just terribly entertaining. I think. I mean, between you know the polls and you know how many how many votes are in and the the experts talking about nineteen different races and then CNN has this one guy who has this giant board. It's called the Magic Board or something. And he, he breaks down different races from like 20 years ago. I, I just think the entire thing, the fact that our democratic process has become such a circus to me is just, you know, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. <laughs> um, but other than that, I'm just rocking and rolling. Actually just closed on two speaking engagements today. Hey, hey. Um, today was a very big day. I'll be speaking in the Bronx um, actually in less than two weeks. It was a very quick turnaround. So I'm going to be speaking at a school in the Bronx, and I'm also going to be speaking at a conference for high school boys here in New Jersey, um, second week of December. So I got those two coming, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be making an announcement about another uh, New Jersey high school next week, um, which would bring us to to really three in the next couple of months. That's pretty pretty exciting on my part. That is awesome. And are you getting all of those by just reaching out directly, emailing, calling? How are you getting these the the new contacts to book those? It's really just kind of, you know, reaching out, um, you know, I mean, they, for example, the, and I belong to an app called Shaper, S-H-A-P-R, uh, which is basically like Tinder for professionals. So it's not a dating <laughs> site, but that's how they market themselves. Uh, you know, so it's not a dating site. It's you put in what you're looking for and when you want to network with somebody and then they connect you with like-minded people. And uh, for the Bronx one, I connected with a teacher. He was all about it. Uh, very quick sell. Um, I'm actually, I, you know, so 
I'm doing that, you know, in two weeks. And then I just, you know, reached out to this, uh, to this high school here in New Jersey and they were like, Hey, we're doing a conference. We think you'd be great for it. Um, and then the one that I think I'm going to be able to announce, it's going to be in Princeton, um, coming in, in a couple of weeks. That one was just a matter of, I signed up for one of their events, didn't show up. The guy followed up with me and just happened to go to my website. And now looks like we're going to be able to do something. So, awesome. you know, when it comes to public speaking, when you're on your own, like I am, it's really just, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing and just throwing it up against the wall and seeing what sticks and hoping that, you know, these three events can parlay into, you know, three more events and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's awesome. For for me on that same topic, that's that's pretty much my life every day. But it's uh, I don't use an app, although I have used an app um, called Thumbtack before for certain things. But I primarily am reaching out to people I've already spoken to and got evals from that they expressed interest um, and or just straight up cold calling. They're just the most wonderful thing you can put. Po- I hit my mic here. The most wonderful thing you can possibly do is to be out there cold calling, just getting people slamming the digital door in your face. Just, uh, yeah, we're not interested. <laughs> Um, but you got to do that because uh, obscurity is your biggest problem. And when we get through this a little bit, we'll be talking about social media and obscurity. So, uh, you know, that'll be relevant on here. But we're going to do our do our news segment first, talk about what's in the an article or a kind of a current event, things going on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, current events, it was, it was interesting. I, I struggled a little bit. You know, I was looking around and a lot of a lot of political stuff going on. Um, and we didn't really want to do politics two episodes in a row because I don't even know if we want to do politics one episode in a row, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be covering millennials and politics next week after the midterm, after I recover from my midterm hangover, um, cause I'm going to be partying, uh, democracy in action in less than two weeks, man, I am, I am such a loser. Uh, but yeah, so that's going to be our next episode, but yeah. So Randy, you sent this article over to me. Uh, which I believe was on Entrepreneur, which is a pretty interesting – Entrepreneur is a good website. Even if you're not an entrepreneur, I would highly suggest that this gets worked into anybody's rotation. Anybody that just wants to learn more and, and grow their knowledge base, and I think it's for more than just entrepreneurs. I Absolutely. think they have a lot of valuable content. But mm-hmm. yeah, so the, the article we can touch on here for a few minutes is called Integrating Generations in the Workplace. Uh, which kind of touched on our last episode. So if you missed our first episode, it was uh, Millennials in the Workplace. You can go and check that out. Um, you know, I, I that was really a great episode. I thought, you know, it's my favorite episode so yeah, far. Yeah, so far. <laughs> we, we are only going up from here. That's it. <laughs> we can only go up from here. And uh, But yeah, I mean, this immediately I saw it hit on, you know, work-life balance, which is something we hear more and more about. Uh, it's something I'm a strong believer in. Um, I always use my vacation days and, and people have made comments about that. And I've always said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm here to, to enjoy life. I'm not here to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in life that is when I'm at work, I'm there to work, but you know, my main purpose is to enjoy life and enjoy those around me. And I think this idea of work-life balance is being really being, I think misunderstood as being lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, millennials get that bad rap of they're lazy. They don't want to work. And I don't think that's the case, but I also think that they want to come to work, do their job, but then they want to go home and they want to do other things and they want to have their ha- hobbies and their passions. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can do now that you couldn't do 20, 30 years ago. A lot of new hobbies, passions, um, whether it be watching, you know, different TV shows or, or having a podcast or something like that. And the priorities have changed. Uh, and I also think that probably has to do with, I mean, hardly a month goes by where I don't see some sort of, you know, advice column that says, 
what do people regret on their deathbeds? I mean, what is every single article that talks about what older generations re regret? One of the things, what is it? It's always, I wish I didn't work so hard. I mm -hmm. wish I enjoyed my life more. So we're getting that, you know, as a generation rammed down our throats and we're really taking it to heart. And that's why we want a job. We want to make sure that we're not going to be working 10 hours a day and expected to be on our email uh, 24 seven and work on the weekends. Like it's no big deal. I mean, that's just, that's not going to happen. I, I mean, the job I was working at recently said, oh, you know, we want you to come in on Saturday. I said, no. I said, there's no reason for me to. I said, you're just, you want me to come in on Saturday because other people are doing it. There's no reason for my position to be there. I already have plans. You can't come to me the day before. Mm -hmm. And I, I took a stand on that. Um, but this generation to me is, is really daring to challenge the system, you know, with this work-life balance. Um, I mean, when you, Randy, when you speak to different companies, what does this topic come up about? Having can candidates and younger employees demanding more of a work-life balance, have have companies had to change their policies at all, or is this something they're just adapting to or not adapting to? Well, it's good on both sides. It comes up every single time because I ask people for uh, feedback on millennials. And then the other aspect is I address it as one of the key pillars that you need to have to keep and to motivate your employees. And if you think, just kind of like what you touched on, not only just what do people say when they get older – it's also what did our parents tell us? They basically, and they, what did they do? They said work sucked. They worked in a job that they didn't like to pay for bills and <laughs> probably buy things they didn't need, right? To keep up with the Joneses, to look a certain way. And they said work sucks. Stay in school as long as you can and get a job that you love. And so we took that to heart and we said, absolutely. And it's intelligent if you think about the fact that you spend most of your life working. If you don't like the people, if you don't like your boss, why would you want to be there long term? However, right, we get called job hoppers, we get called lazy, and there are legitimate lazy people. I mean, I've worked with and had people under me that their life came first in every circumstance. Hey, um, you know, it's one thing to have people coming into work just for the sake of working because it looks good and it's neurotic. It's the other thing to going, hey, we really need someone for, for this and this. We had something explode, right? Come up, can you come in and do it, right? That That's a great, you know, you should want to jump for those opportunities to distinguish yourself. However, if your boss is doing that to you all the time, or like in your case, hey, my boss always last minute, always slams me with something and interrupts my life. Not cool, right? And so, so companies do have to consider that, right? And they'll have happier employees for it. And we are pushing back even in a good way. I mean, there's plenty of millennials out there that they want to take off their birthday every year and all these things that they get laughed at. And some of those, I think, yeah, come on, guys. Your birthday is not a national holiday. We can't treat it as such. Um, Dude, I just took off for my birthday. 100% <laughs> going to disagree with you because if I have the time, why not take off for my birthday? Now, my caveat to that is I'm okay with people taking off as long as they plan it for an advance. Um, but if you've got work, you've got stuff you're behind on and this and that, you, you sometimes have to say, you know what, it's not that important, right? Or um, No, right? okay. I can I can meet you halfway. If there's something going on or the, if it's not appropriate or if it's a busy season, then, yeah, I can get that. I can, Okay, I'll meet you halfway. Yeah. But no, I totally took off for my birthday and I just played video games all day like a 12-year-old. And you know what? It was great for my mental health. Well, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in mental health yeah. and it was a great, you know, it was last Friday and I was able to take a three day weekend. So nice. I, most I'll people, like most people will argue that mental health is a serious issue um, in our country right now. And so we do need to think about that. I mean, we are bombarded with technology. We are bombarded with emails. We're bombarded with things. 
plus we have a different view towards work-life balance. We want our employer to be more flexible, but we're willing to put more in than most people. Whereas, you know, uh, Gen Xers were the work hard, play hard type generation, right? Five o'clock, they shut it down. We're the, we're the generation that will email you back at 10 p.m. because you needed something. We, we like to have work integration as much as balance, right? There might be sometimes it's like, I'm not going to answer emails. I'm not going to do text when it's my off time. And you make clear boundaries. And that's a good thing versus either being a workaholic or being lazy. There's always middle ground. And, and absolutely, if you want to take off your birthday and you plan it in advance and it gets approved, psh, it's. Just, I mean, there's no difference in that than uh, you mentioned it last week. But oh, I want to go to this baseball game or football game, or I want to go for the weekend and look at the leaves falling. Right. I whatever it is, whatever your thing is, do it. Um, another good one we'll bring up, and I'll just just I know we're hammering balance on this, and maybe we got to get to the other ones. But um, certain jobs do not have work life balance, and bosses. And companies need to be upfront with that. We, we talk to people in the automotive industry. They're like, if you need balance, go get a different job. We don't do balance here. We're up till two, three in the morning, workaholics. That's what we like. That's how we roll. And if they're able to get people that want to do that and they're honest, I'm totally okay with it, um, especially when you promote people. But I've seen people promoted who went to a job that was much more demanding. They had a family. They had kids. They had things. They didn't realize how much it was going to be, and they felt terrible because they couldn't keep up. And they felt like they were having to sacrifice their family. They ended up stepping down. So being upfront and honest is great, and it's okay if you want more balance. You just have to know, uh, depending on your position, where you're going to go, what that means. And I think companies should let you know uh, you know, what, what the, the give and take is going to be. No, absolutely. And we could do... We could do a whole episode on work-life balance. Oh goodness, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, like, I, you know, there's there are other things, but I think the biggest thing with something like this is that this feeling that we need that there's such a difference between the generations that this type of content needs to be created. Mm-hmm. Um, that we need to create something. This is how do I how do we integrate the generations? Um, and one last thing I'll say on this, um, Randy, is that. One thing that I thought was really interesting in this piece of content was passing on of knowledge Mm. that older generations Mm. are are getting ready to retire and they have this institutional uh, institutional memory, institutional knowledge, which is really something that they've gained and they can tell you what to do, what not to do. And I thought this was really interesting. I worked at a company recently where there was nobody – I would say out of 20 people, maybe two people had been there for more than two years. Most of the people were there for like well under a year. And after a while, I I figured out why because the place was a nightmare. (laughs) Uh, But I I said to my my marketing partner, I said, there's no institutional knowledge here. There's Mm. nobody to tell us if we've done this before. Did it work? Did it not work? Uh, How did – you know when things were going well five years ago, what did they do? There's nobody here to do that. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. And I thought it was interesting. That seems to be an issue as if older generations don't want to pass on that knowledge, but maybe it's because they think that's the only thing keeping them from getting canned. Uh, if I have this knowledge, you can't fire me for a a entry level graduate. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's probably a mixed bag. And this comes up in the, in my lectures and seminars as well, is that there's kind of two sides to it. One, millennials, or excuse me, baby boomers are retiring in droves. So 10,000 baby boomers are retiring a day. Millennials have taken over. We are the largest workforce. So we're, we're kind of there. And, and my colleague that I speak with, he's a boomer. So he's like, it's like the blind leading the blind. Well, in some respects, if you just dip out and we're the only ones there, we might be reinventing the wheel and, and we 
we, we it would benefit us and behoove older generations to say, hey, what worked, what didn't work. However, the big conflict there is, and we tell people, you've got to mentor your millennials that, that, that we crave that coaching model. That's what we've grown up with, right? We talk about that. They say, what about that they, they feel like they know it all, like they don't come and ask, that I tell them we've got to do this. They go, oh, no, 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 we, we could just do this. And they think that they've got the answer. And so I go, that that's the perfect thing for a mentor or someone to sit them down and go, you know what? There's probably great ways that we can improve this. However, I've got so much knowledge on this or so-and-so who you work with has so much knowledge on that. You really need to tap into and leverage and extract that information, everything for what it gets. And I, I think that's probably true and natural, right? We can go to Google and I can get an expert all the way around the world on the subject that knows a hundred times more than my boss. So then I go, well, why should I ask them? Well, they've dealt with exactly what we're doing there and it's a sign of respect. There's so many benefits you can get. So if you're a younger person, you need to leverage the older people, the people that know uh, more around you. And if you're an older person, explain the benefits of of transferring the knowledge and it's wisdom. So that was something we covered in a generational program we just did is that you can't Google wisdom. Wisdom comes from failure. Wisdom comes from success. And it only comes from doing it. Um, so you have wisdom comes from trial and error. Um, so that on that. But the last one I wanted to mention on there that they, they talked about was micromanagement. And that is a big one that will kill millennials. I get them complaining to me all the time. Ones I've coached before, they hate being micromanaged, that very top-down, authoritative, I'm the boss and therefore I've got the answer and you will do it, right? That that worked really well in, in older generations that were into that. If our parents would ask our opinion, if we got to voice our opinion, ask us questions, we got to ask them questions and we get to work and our bosses do it because I said so, uh, or do it. Have you done it yet? When are you doing it? They're on top of you for everything and very top-down hierarchy micromanagement. You're just going to kill your millennials. Oh, absolutely. I've been micromanaged. I hate being micromanaged. And again, it goes back to what we said. There's plenty of options out there. So if you micromanage too much and you get them, you, you, you know, you catch a millennial on a bad day and you're a recruiter and it's like, Hey, you come to us. We have a great culture. Mm-hmm. Culture is a big buzzword that I don't think was used 20 years ago. We have a great culture. You won't be micromanaged and we'll give you 5k more to help you with those student loans that we know you have. Mm-hmm. And then they're gone. Because they don't, because they don't feel any loyalty to you, because they don't like you, because you micromanage them. You're absolutely right. My my buddy who's a recruiter, he says he asks him, "How how's your boss?" And if they say, you know, he she is a micromanager, he's like, "Boom, I've got the place for you." That's not like that, and they'll leave. You're absolutely one hundred percent. That's like a that's bait in the water, and they hit it. Oh, it's like snap, pull them right out of that company, and then move them on. So. Um, yeah, you'll kill, you'll kill loyalty. You'll kill. The other thing you'll get is you'll get a fear culture where nobody wants to stick their neck out and give ideas because the boss is the only person that's right. And you have to do it exactly their way. And there's no leniency for creativity or autonomy and how you want to do it. You do it my way and nothing else. It just, it, it's very stifling. So, yeah. And there's also the fear of, you know, don't come up with a good idea because then you're going to have to implement it and you're not going to be given the resources to do it. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've said, oh, we should do this. And then they're OK, do it. Well, wait a minute. Or like if you say, well, you know, this department should be doing this. OK, well, you do it. Wait, that's not my job. Yeah, but it was your idea. So you just create this culture of keep my head down, show up at a certain time, leave it a certain time and I'll get out of here in six months mm. uh, type of situation. Uh, but yeah, so. 
Yeah, I mean, on the like, other side of that one, just to, to touch on it, I think sometimes that could be a great opportunity that I'll, I've had people come to me and they go, oh, we could do this so much better if we just took the time to do this. And it's like, okay, great. You know what? What um, If you're just hurling problems at me, I, I would tell my guys this I, when, I, when I would manage them. I'd be like, don't, don't come to me with problems. At least come to me with a solution, right? Because if, if you haven't taken any time to think it through and you just want to hurl like, we should change all this because it's dumb. Well, now I have to think through the whole thing. Plus, I have to do it. Come, come to me with some thought put into something, and I think sometimes that could be, could be a good reason to have someone implement, um, implement something that they come up with. But you probably have to prove it with them, right? Like, okay, you see a problem there. Do you want to work on doing the solution for that? Well, no, not me. Well, you know, if uh, if this could be a growth opportunity, if you would be able to solve this problem, if you'd could think it through if you could design something we could talk about it. and i think you're right you could get people that are reluctant to do it but you could get people who are fired up if you empower them to to be the solution for it and say i'll help you with it but uh you know you're gonna we're gonna have to do some research are you willing to, to do some of that to help with this problem and they might say yeah absolutely i would and then boom you've got an opportunity and they're excited versus you having to go no that's not going to work go do this right that's going to kill them no oh, absolutely nope you're 100 percent right um, you know, again, I mean, this is something we talked about a lot in our first episode, uh, but I just think, and again, you'll hear me say this a lot because I come from a marketing background. Nowadays, there are so many different websites vying for your attention that they need to come up with a topic that can create uh, never-ending content, and millennials can do that. And at this point, it doesn't even have to be true anymore. It's just, okay, well, it's sort of true or it could be true, so let's run with it. Mm-hmm. Um and if you see, again, this is another thing. If you see enough content saying that there's an issue revolving the integration of millennials into the workplace, you're going to believe that there's an issue, even if there isn't one. Mm. An article like this, oh, there must be a problem because they wrote an article about it. Well, no, not really. It's just somebody was told, write about millennials in the workplace, and they wrote three ways to do something because it's been proven that we're more likely, we're like 50% more likely to click on a story if it tells us a list because we can follow that and it's easy for us mm-hmm. because we don't want to be challenged mentally anymore as a country sorry <laughs> hot take are you getting, are you getting your, your politics out right now <laughs> socioeconomics yeah. and uh, i'm just culture. saying we don't in this country we don't like what's called call two-step argument mm-hmm. we don't like well this could be the case but maybe it says no it's just one thing and that's it. That's why all you have to do is create a career politician, create a commercial, and be like, so and so is a tax cheat. Well, they're not a tax cheat. Here's why. Nope. Sorry, I'm already on to something else. Right. Or the straw man argument, right? Where you blow up somebody's opinion and say they always believe it is a certain way and you make it worse than what it is because you can easily defeat that versus giving people a. The other way you do it is you go, okay, well, let's talk it through and let's go back and forth and let me figure out exactly what you're trying to say and let's get the truth, right? Nobody wants the truth. They want sensationalism. Oh, yeah. Don't let the don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. That's right. Because the truth in the real world, honestly, is boring. <laughs> we, got, I mean, the, we got to pump it up a little bit, huh? Yeah, I mean, the real world is boring, so we have to sensationalize it and we also have to keep eyeballs on our product because that's how we pay the bills. Mm. Um, I mean, I think if, if we had an, if we, if we lived in a country where the nightly news for one hour a night had no commercials and it was not held to advertising dollars and not held to ratings and you could just focus on the actual news, 
I think that the entire landscape of the news would be completely different, but we're really getting off topic. I know. Well, I was going to say that's what we're doing right here is that uh, besides we're going on down some rabbit trails is the podcast is so popular because it's a long format where you can discuss, you can flesh out ideas, you can have a real dialogue that it isn't the five minute, what's your opinion? And you got to make an argument in that time when you have to unpack a lot of things to make an argument. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a dying medium, I think. And things like podcasting, long videos, people, things that people didn't think would hold interest are becoming incredibly popular, especially among younger people. This format is what's winning. Of course, because podcasts, again, it's, it's the age of convenience. Now we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but we live in an age of convenience and the podcast you can listen to whenever you want. You can press play, you can pause. You can also fast forward if somebody's saying something you don't like. Uh, I mean, that's a whole other thing. If you don't like what I'm saying, you can just hit that button a few times and I'm done saying it. And it's like, la, 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 la. I didn't have to listen to you. Uh, um, that's the problem with the news today. If you don't like what they're saying, just change the channel because somebody's going to agree with you. Mm. People watch the news that they want to watch. Okay, we got to stop. Got to get back on track. A politics show pretty quick. We got to get back. I'm not, this is not politics. This is my problem with the news. This is my problem with marketing. And this is my problem with this country. You know, I mean, I love this country and we have a lot of amazing people doing amazing things, but sometimes we just are way too simplistic and we want things our way and we don't like we can't agree with each other anymore. Well, I'll make a closing topic on that because then it'll tie into social media and it'll tie in. If you pay attention to the the crazy people that they bring in front of you to make you go crazy on no matter if it's CNN or Fox and you you think everybody thinks that way or you look on social media and people are trolls and people are mean and nasty that doesn't exist in the real world like that nobody acts that ridiculous and you don't run into all these people with these insane ideas that drive you crazy when you go out into the real world you run into a lot more normal nice people but if your life is just through the lens of social media or any kind of media it really can skew it in a bad way to what is truly going on so hey that leads us into social media let's talk about it yes yes let's definitely get to our main topic so millennials and social media uh randy you were pretty pumped last week about this topic so why don't you kick us off tell us why you were so excited uh and how do you how do you work social media into your talks i'm sure it's a big talking point for you yeah, so I have used um, or have done full segments on social media, not specifically in uh, how to you know grow your individual, like your person, like to get more likes and followers from your friends, but to how to a business to the people can do. So how a real estate agent can grow their network and provide content that really inspires people, that makes them want to follow, that makes them interesting. Um, so I've done some of those things. Mostly what I speak about is is how to do leadership for millennials but i am passionate about the power of social media um and i even as we were looking at this and as i thought well, what am i going to talk about about social media i even think about myself and how i could be doing a way better job in so many different areas um that i've neglected that i'm gonna that's gonna be what i cap this off with is the challenge i'm gonna have for myself on my own social media platform because it's very easy to neglect things that you're not interested in um, so I'll give you an example, right? Like Twitter. I even, I, I just, just I, I put out my, uh, my spiteful tweet. No, it was, uh, it was, here's my annual, uh, obligatory tweet. And I just sent that out there and I haven't tweeted in probably a year or something. It's just not a, a medium that I like, but everybody feels like you have to have it. Um, and I, maybe I just don't use it enough. That's why I don't like it. But you should, as kind of a key thing is find the networks that you like 
and then plug those. So I would talk to real estate agents and just as an example, and I would say, don't use uh, Snapchat or Pinterest or whatever if you don't like it because you're not going to like it. You're going to hate every moment of it. You have to go to a social media that you enjoy. So I really enjoy Instagram. And I actually enjoy Instagram for my business, uh, not even my own business. I have a separate side business, and I enjoy talking about comic books and nerdy stuff. So I've grown that since last November to over 100,000 followers. It's 112,000. Uh, and where my own personal page, which I suppose I should be passionate about, is like 400 people. Like, oh, come on, Randy, you're killing me. 400 people. It's ridiculous. Um uh, Again, we think of LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a powerful tool for business, and we should talk about that one uh, as far as how it pertains to any young people looking for jobs. It's one of the most powerful places that you can be, and what you, how you represent yourself on there is huge. But I think I have like 700 connections. Um, YouTube, I dabble. I've dabbled in a lot of these. The only one I've really committed and just loved and had so much fun with was Instagram. And because I did that, it was successful. So you got to find where you like it. If you like Facebook, it is the largest platform. It's the biggest platform that covers all the different generations. So every, even though people don't go on there as much because of, uh, you know, their grandmas and grandpas around there saying weird things on their post, if you're a younger person, it still gets you the biggest breath of people of anyone you can do. If you want to target just younger people, hey, grow your Snapchat. That'll be a challenge, but go ahead and grow it. Um, Instagram, great for young people. However, it's got a big global base. So if you're looking to get local people to work with you. Well, Instagram, although you could get a lot of people, they're going to be from all over the world. So they all have their place. But I think that was the biggest thing I thought of is love the ones that you're doing, provide great content. You'll, you'll get people to follow you. And I'll go through some of those in a bit, but I'll, I'll turn it back to you because I'm just ranting over here about social media. <laughs> no, absolutely. There is definitely a, a caveat, not caveat, a component to building a personal brand and using social media to your benefit. Uh, I, I always talk about my talks about LinkedIn. I'm a very big believer in the professional space of having a LinkedIn, of having a, a solid uh, picture up there, you know, something that's either professionally done or close to professionally done, and also networking, using it to network, net, using it to connect with people. Because I always tell students that where you want to go in life, there are people that are already there. Mm. They're already doing what you want to do. So talk to them, ask some questions and figure out what do I need to do to get there? What did they do? What did they like about school? What didn't they like about school? What kind of mistakes do they wish they could go back and rectify? Uh, I think LinkedIn is something that doesn't get enough credit because, again, when you think social media, I, I, I think if you were to do a poll of, you know, say 20 to 30, 35 year olds, when I say social media, what do you think of? Facebook. Mm -hmm. Then what do you think of? Instagram. Then what do you think of? Twitter, Twitter. Snapchat, Pinterest. I, I, there's probably some people that wouldn't even list LinkedIn as social media because it's it's so professional mm -hmm. and it's not as fun, so to speak. Social media kind of has this connotation that's supposed to be fun and people don't think necessarily that LinkedIn is is fun. Uh, but I talk about that a lot. And but for me, I just think it's it's fascinating that millennials are. I don't know. We didn't grow up. With social media as an essence, we didn't have it when we were in middle school. We didn't have it when we were in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, but younger generations are growing up with this. And they're growing up with the, in this world where everything is accessible 24-7. Everything you do is put online. I mean, it's, it's, it's common, so we don't think about it. But it's kind of crazy that somebody – if you look at it now, somebody can take a picture with you, 
picture from you on their phone. And the reason that's a big deal is because you can take a picture on your phone and there's no, there's no flash. There's no sound. There's no nothing. People can take a picture of you on the phone and put it online and you don't know that it's there. And if you want it taken down, you can remove your tag, but it's still going to be on that person's page. And then you have to report it to Facebook. And by the time Facebook gets around to it, the damage is already done. Mm. So I think that that's something that needs to be taught and understood that Facebook and social media in general can be very damaging uh-huh. as far as your reputation is concerned. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you, if you're on Facebook and you're not posting any of your own pictures and you're only letting other people post your pictures and the only time they take pictures of you is when you're, you know, drinking in college or doing stupid stuff. Then if somebody looks at that, then it, it's it appears that that's all you do all you Mm -hmm. do is drink and all you do is party i mean i always tell people that if you judged me simply on my instagram account you would think that i'm somebody that all i do is drink beers and eat cheeseburgers because whenever i have a beer and i'm out i take a picture of it and i've cleaned it up a little bit because i'm a public speaker and i'm trying to use my instagram as more of a branding tool but I, I've taken pictures of beers. I've taken pictures of my food. You would think, and, and whenever I go to a Mets game, so you would think, oh, this guy only does drink beer and go to baseball games. Well, no, I'm, I'm much more complicated than that. At least I like, like, like to think that I am. Um, but, you know, if you're not careful, you can really paint a picture of yourself on a social media platform and it can really hurt you. And you don't even realize that it's hurting you. You don't even realize that people are looking at uh, your lack of a LinkedIn or your, your poor Facebook. And I think that, we have reached a point where maybe we need to start teaching about social media as a course, mm-hmm. whether it be in college or high school, etiquette. because it's growing. It's and everything is on it now. I mean, everything you do, you can log in through Facebook, you can log in through LinkedIn, and it's it's a part of our lives. I mean, there's no. I mean, I think technically you have to be 11 or 12 to have a Facebook, but let's be real, uh, they don't really check that. So anybody can go on and be a Facebook, and I don't even want to get into the catfishing. That goes on where you think you're talking to one person and you're not talking to somebody else because that's a whole nother avenue. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I think these generations that they're going to be, you know, hit with it immediately, say, in elementary school. I mean, I understand the elementary school kids don't have phones, so maybe they're safe there. But when they enter middle school and you have a phone, every single phone is a smartphone. Every single phone can download an app. It takes five minutes to start a Facebook. I, I mean, I would if I had the free time, I would love to do a social experiment about how easy it would be for me to create a fake person on Facebook and see how far I could go with that fake person. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Cause I think you, you could, you could absolutely go very far. So it's, it's, it's concerning because it's social media was meant to, well, what did you say before we went on the air? Social media was meant to connect all of us, but in a lot of ways it, it's, it's more, I think more damaging than anything else because younger generations don't know how to use it correctly. Well, and and you're absolutely right about that. And and not only people, let's just say, being negligent of their persona that they're putting out there, I feel like some people actively feel like all their opinions and ideas and every thought they've ever had, they don't filter it through. And so you see them flipping people off or talking crazy or they've got their drunk eyes and it's like, do you not realize that that is on there forever and you're going to make people think that that's all you do 
right? Now, to your point, you might have to say, okay, hey, I, I post uh, this. People know that I like beer. That's fine. I'm not looking like I'm, you know, half in the bag or something like that, or I'm, I'm doing something wrong. But you might want to go, okay, yeah, you know what? I don't want people to just think I eat cheeseburgers. I'm going to start taking pictures of me doing other stuff as well. And then if you had that in there, they'd be like, oh yeah, you like a good beer, right? That'd be fine. Nobody would hold it against you. But if it's like, oh, so you, you like getting wasted all the time, <laughs> that's negative. And then can you imagine like the dirt that's being, <laughs> I hate to bring up politics, but the dirt that's being dug up on people. Can you imagine what it's going to be? I mean, even heck right now, people are getting fired because of, of things that they're posting that might be, you might think innocuous or not important, but just opinions that people don't like or they, they think are insensitive or they don't think are funny or a joke. And it can it's ruining people's lives right now. I hate to think how that would be when you want to do something later in life and you go, oh, I was just a dumb kid. It's going to come back to haunt you for a long time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we see we saw the NFL draft last year. Josh Allen uh, a tweet came out that he sent a racist tweet back in 2011 and he never showed any signs of it, but it didn't matter. It was one tweet that we can't even confirm if he sent it or not uh, way back in 2011, seven years ago, and he dropped in the draft. Now, I think he dropped because he's not that good of a quarterback, but this isn't a sports show. Uh, <laughs> you know, but he he that's why I think he dropped. Um, I mean, that's why they think he dropped because it, it popped up. I can't tell you how many times this popped up. I mean, there's a Twitter account that literally is just dedicated to digging up old athletes' tweets. Uh, now it's more humorous than anything else, uh, but it's it's a it's a, it can be very dangerous because now everything you do is documented, and yet at the same time, everything you do is not documented. It's funny like that, right? Because when you do something negative, oftentimes it gets documented and kept forever. But what I mean by not everything is documented, and I wrote a blog post about this, is one of my favorites, called Instagram is a Dirty Liar. And I think I brought this up last week. I'll bring it up again. Uh, I talk about in that post how Instagram, every really every social channel that has images, but really Instagram is the main culprit because it you can build a life that makes you think that you are this world traveler or this guy having you know a ton of fun, or always at the beach, or, or doing something, living this great life, and you don't really see what goes on the rest of the time, all the other minutes and seconds and hours in that person's day. All you see is that, oh, so-and-so is always traveling. So-and-so is always at the beach, or so-and-so is always buying new things. What you don't see is that so-and-so is always in credit card debt. So-and-so buys those things because they're clinically depressed and it makes them temporarily happen. Mm. Or so-and-so can go to the beach because so-and-so is underemployed or unemployed and can't pay back their student loans and is 29, still living at home, can't afford a, a car or an engagement ring. But that's the problem. At, as millennials, we see this and we see people doing these great things, doing these cool things, or even in the workplace. We see them, oh, my friend, you know, he posted that, their their uh, company did a happy hour or did a free lunch or an ice cream social. And you think, I oh, well, my company doesn't do that. So I got to go work for a company like that. But what you don't realize is that those type of startups, sometimes life can be great. And six months later, boom, you're gone because they ran out of money. I got laid off last year from a startup uh, for that very reason. I thought it was going to be a great company, great experience. I left a billion dollar company to go to a little company and boom, seven months in, they've laid off half their company. Mm -hmm. And again, because you think that everything is, the grass is always greener because you're only seeing the green grass. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think that social media does a great job of making it seem like people have these great lives. And I think that's why millennials at times tend to quit their jobs because they think, well, those people I follow are so happy and I'm so unhappy. And I think that kind of perpetuates it. On top of that, we we now have this generation where people are literally making a living just on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just yeah. influencers and, and other things. And, and, you know, my wife listens to this podcast called Girl With No Job. <laughs> Um, I don't, I really haven't uh, polluted my mind with researching what this is all about, but I mean, apparently she just started a blog and now she's famous mm-hmm. and I don't, I still don't understand what she does. Um, but you know what? I don't understand what the Kardashians do and they're billionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we also live in a country where if you're good looking, nothing else matters. <laughs> um, but Snack that one in there, huh? I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, all right, I got to get back on track. I'm very, I'm very bitter. We should tonight. just make a, we should maybe. just switch this, this to a, a rant show. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's rant ideas on what he's pissed off about this week. Yeah. What am I? I'm sick of I'm, pretty people. I'm sick of lazy mad. people making money for doing nothing, producing nothing. God, that could be a whole thing. Well, you know, and to be honest with you, I probably would, that podcast would probably take off faster than this one. <laughs> this one, you have to actually like think about intelligent thoughts. It was like, hey, there's this fat guy that just comes on a microphone every week and yells for 20 minutes. You should listen to him. He's hilarious. But then, but again, that proves my point because if I did that and I had a thousand followers, you'd be like, wow, that guy's so talented. No, he's just a psycho and everybody's laughing at it. So numbers. Plus people like being deceived. shocked, right? Well, okay. So to your topic or to what you said, the the other big thing with social media that we're just now starting to, to dig into and talk about is the fact that, you know, I'll take it all the way down back a hundred years ago. You could be excellent at what you did in a small community and you could distinguish yourself. Nowadays, like let's say you were the – I'll just go on that first. Let's say you were a blacksmith. You could be the best blacksmith anybody knew. They could say, oh, man, this guy's great. You could work with him, this and that. He wasn't comparing himself globally. Right. So he could he could go home and have derived satisfaction for doing a job well done. Now you can go, you can compare yourself to anybody. There's always somebody better than you. There's always someone funnier, better looking, better at something that can be very discouraging. And then on a smaller level, you are getting to see just all your friends highlights. You don't know what it took to get there. You don't know what the pain. It all seems easy. It makes you think you made all the wrong decisions, but you don't have any context for what it takes to get there to do that. And it could be that they are working harder and you'd like to know what they're doing differently or they made different life choices. But if you weren't constantly being shown it and shoved in your face, all these great things, you wouldn't have this idea that your life was bad. But by comparison, you've got, uh, instead of the grass of your neighbor looking greener, you have hundreds of thousands of people that you could compare your life to. And I think that is a problem that we have to contend with. Absolutely. That's a great point that I didn't even really think about. There's the sheer volume of people that you're looking at and everybody's, you know, like you said, I mean, take me, for example, motivational speaking before social media, you really only knew about the social, the the public speakers that you saw, or maybe in your area. So you could be great. And that was the end of it. But now every single public speaker is out there and you're thinking, wow, well, this guy does this better than me. And this guy does this better than me. And it can be, it can be a killer in your self-esteem. And that's why going back to preparing younger generations, I think we need to have some sort of educational course on appearances and imagery and, and how things aren't necessarily as they appear. Mm. 
Um, or even but, back to you want to promote yourself. Let's say let's say all the anxieties and all the terrible things that we know come with social media. The equal other side is it's the it's the best and tr- most tremendous opportunity we have to network ourselves and to connect with people we never would have. So social media is just a it's a double edged sword, but it's got great things. So now you say, okay, well, how does this apply to me? I'm 18 to 24, somewhere in there, right? I'm a I'm a Gen Z. I'm starting to work all the way to a young millennial. What do I do? Well, you might have to go clean up your profile and say, I'm not having any more pics of me drinking and this, this and that. I'm going to have the image that I'd want to project out into society. And so if I want to be taken seriously and seen as professional, my social has to reflect that. Um, it's not a conformity thing. It's, it's the same as if you went to a job interview, you'd want to present. Do you want to have scraggly hair that's greasy looking or do you want to be well kept, right? You, you want to present yourself because we are humans and we base what we can see and make very quick decisions about people so how you present yourself in the world on social is as if maybe not even more important because i can remember looking at people's socials and they didn't even get an interview after that it's like well you're you're too angry or you're swearing all the time you you can't come work at customer services if this is who you are in your private life i'd rather have somebody who's really a professional and knows how to be a professional so you could might even not even get an opportunity because of a poor social representation social media representation Sure, absolutely. And it's really is about going back to being careful about what you post. And I've seen people, again, even for me, Facebook has this feature, which I'm sure everybody knows about called on this day. Mm. And I go through it every day. And hardly two days in a row go by where I don't delete something I said, (laughs) whether I I dropped an (laughs) F-bomb. Or I was screaming about something stupid and I'm just like, what? No, delete, delete, delete. And then I see pictures and I untag myself. But again, that just means it's not going to appear on my page. If somebody really wants to dig, they can find the pictures. Now, again, I'm not doing anything illegal. So it is what it is. But there's definitely pictures of me that I'd rather just kind of be deleted and they never will. So that's something I have to deal with. But I didn't. Again, I mean, everything I talk about is being prepared for the real world. I had no idea that we were going to be living in a world where you're going to be judged on these type of things, or I probably would have taken Facebook a little more seriously. I probably wouldn't have let you could, you know, where I would have changed the privacy settings so I don't can't get tagged as easily or have to approve tags, things of that nature. And that's probably something that younger generations don't even know that you can change your privacy settings so somebody can't tag you or they have to request to tag you so you can moderate what pictures go on there. But when you're 17, 18 years old, that picture from the party last night, that was hilarious. Throw it up there. That's funny. I'll get I'll get some likes on that. Right. Um, or you, and you don't rebel, realize that rebel against society. Ah, it's, it's not just a middle finger to my friend. It's a middle finger to society and their norms and what they think about. Take, exactly. Take that. And. You know, stick it to the man. Well, the problem there is that at some point you're going to want to be the man because you're going to want to make that salary. (laughs) You're going to want the man to pay you if nothing else. Yeah. And you can't become the man if you're like, oh, I'm going to stick it to the man. Okay, well, you know, good luck trying to change the world. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, just kind of going through. So chat me up here. You were talking before the show something I was really glad that you were bringing up. Um, You were talking about some do's and some don'ts. If you kind of want to talk about what that's all about and and with social media, is there anything you wanted to 
Or do you feel like you kind of covered that already? Yeah, no, no. I think that there's um, some success formulas for people to apply that work for every social network. Now, we, we probably in the future will go into, you know, how to grow a social network. And I will talk a little bit about um, some things I'm going to do to make mine better and to utilize this amazing tool. But one of the, the first things I want to bring up, and this applies directly to what we just were talking about, is I internally made a rule that I don't want to... How do I, I don't want to even do things that I would be ashamed of showing up on social. So I'm not going to be drinking to excess at a party and getting crazy and somebody gets a picture of me. I'm just period not going to engage in that activity because I do not want to be represented in that world. So that's kind of a weird way to think of things like, oh, you want to do whatever you want. You want to be free. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be a uh, look like a jackass. So I'm not going to act like a jackass. And if I'm not acting like one, then I won't be able to be represented there. I mean, heck, if you look at my my social now, they're all very clean. But if you were to Google and you still, I think stupid MySpace is still up. I'm sure I have pictures of there when I'm 20 and I'm just drunk and eyes all crooked and someone gave me a cigarette. Wait a minute, you, you, you drank when you I'm, weren't 21? I'm actually, good point. I probably was. <laughs> it's actually funny that I did. However... I actually probably think I was 21 in the pics I'm thinking of because I was at the bar and there was the way I looked, there was nobody who was going to ever let me in and think that I could drink. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, there's no, I, I wasn't, you know, like all the girls in my high school, they could get into places without that wasn't going to happen for me. They're like, yeah, 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 go back to the, well, of course go back they to could, the playground. You live in a country where you can be beautiful and you get whatever you want. I'm seeing that theme coming up again. That hey, you could have a rant about that. You rant about <laughs> I'm, that. I'm just saying. Um, so, uh, but yeah, there's probably pictures on there I can't get rid of. I'm maybe. I could go delete them. I don't even care. But the persona I have now is I do things that I would be proud of to have represented. So I don't even secretly do shenanigans behind that I would be. I mean, sure, there's things that I wouldn't want put on social still, but I don't actively engage in things if I would be ashamed of doing them or ashamed of people seeing them. So that's just kind of my rule. On the other side of the coin, if I want to have an awesome social page, I actually scheduled to go do things like, you know what? I am going to go check this out and I am going to take a camera with me because I do want to put that on my social. And it's not to be fake. It's more of like, what's going to get me out of the house from looking up things on YouTube or watching Netflix or playing video games, right? What's going to get me out? You know what? I'm going to go schedule doing something cool. I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to go somewhere that I'd want to be and I'll document it. And then I take that and, and use it in reverse, right? Normally you'd think, okay, you have this awesome life and you document it, and then you put it on social. Sometimes I use the reverse, and I go, I do want to have like interesting things to put on there because I do want content. I want to generate people talking or asking me questions or engaging because it is social media. I'm not gonna put. I'm not gonna post a picture of the you know binge watching uh, some friggin' uh, Game of Thrones or something like that. Maybe I'd post one thing of like, oh, Game of Thrones is great. But I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to go out and do some interesting stuff and I'm going to document it and then I'll put it on there. Or even better, I just happen to already have my life structured that it's interesting and I just make sure I document the things and go, oh, this is what I'm doing. It's like this, this or that. Because you do need to be social. You need to be sharing what you're doing and not in a narcissistic or you don't have to brag about it. Too many people brag. You can tell if somebody's documenting their life or if they're bragging. So you don't want to ever be rubbing people's nose in what you've got, right? You just want to be living a good life, doing fun things, and then you, you put that out in the world. Absolutely. There's definitely a way to be a person. There's definitely a way to carry yourself. And it really is. It really goes back to building that personal brand. Um, 
you know, and another thing about social media that I talked touched on last week, but maybe we can we can kind of revisit here, is that millennials and younger generations, due to social media, are more in tune with what's going on in the world. Now, I'm not talking about locally. I'm not talking about you know politics or or, or United States. I'm talking about the world. Mm. So every time something goes wrong, because at the end of the day, that's what we report on mostly, right? Like we report on the negative, we report on the problems. That's what kind of news is. You don't hear a lot of, you know, you don't exactly, you don't get a lot of feel good stories. Sometimes you do on the local news, but not, not most of the time it's, it tends to be trend towards negative, Um, which I get, it's fine. But at the same time, you know, we are so in tune with everything that's going on due to social media. I mean, we uh, we get an alert every time, you know, there's a, a outbreak, every time there's a school shooting, a uh, third world country genocide. Every time something bad happens, we're there and we know about it and we see pictures and images. I mean, CNN will go to a third world country and take. 37 photos and put it on Instagram. So when you're taking a picture of your, you know, $12 salad and $6 latte, all of a sudden CNN's hitting you with, oh, uh, yeah, but look at all these migrant kids that, you know, are displaced in Syria. And I think what happens is that when you see that there's all these problems in the world, you then turn around and say, well, I'm not, not only do I hate my job, but what I'm doing doesn't even solve any of these problems. And I'm not living with purpose and we need to live with purpose. We all need to do something. And I think, that's another thing social media has done. Social media has made us think that there's so many issues in this world that if you're not every day waking up and solving a world problem, then you're completely useless, mm. which obviously is not true, but it's how social media is starting to make us feel. Mm. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think that it depends what you plug into. And the more you're plugged into current events or the more it, it hunts you down because you've, you've shared that preference already, the more you're going to see that, right? So if you're already paying attention to the news, which you know is geared towards negative and slanted because that's what sells. If, like I said, if it bleeds, it leads. But it's it, it, people tried to have like a positive spin on news and humans, for some reason, we're attracted to the tragedy and oh my goodness. And who knows what reason that is. Maybe it makes us feel better. If someone else is suffering, we're like, oh, my day's not too bad. Um, but we're, we're, we're seeing these things and then it is, well, either my life is, isn't as good. My life is pretty good or, oh, is what I'm doing matter? Oh, is it just paying the bills? And if you have the wrong perspective, you're absolutely right that this, this inordinate amount of information that comes flying at us, you can take that and, and really run in a negative light with it, uh, depending on, on the way you're looking at things. If you're feeling bad about your work and you see somebody else that's like an uplifting story and they're really living their dream and they're helping people, oh, geez, man, what the heck am I doing? Or, you know, you see something bad happening and you go... I could be doing something. I could be the solution for that. So you're, you're absolutely right. You can have a, a distorted view of life and maybe even what you should do based on the social media that comes flying at you or the things you've been interested in the past that keep hunting you down. Yeah, and that person you just mentioned who loves their job, you know they're documenting all, documenting it all the time. You know, oh, I love my job. Oh, look at what we did today. Look at what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I know. You know, sharing. Yeah, I know. Sharing and images and memes about how much they love their job or and on top of that then they're also showing all the other stuff the, the great food they're eating the vacations they're going yeah. on and you're like crap i hate my life and this person's is appears 
to have an awesome life. I remember reaching out to a guy because I'm like, I didn't realize Costco is this awesome. I mean, I go shop at Costco. I like that part of it. He's constantly posting how much he loves his job and he loves Costco. Right. And so for me, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That's that's great that you work for a place because most people, all they do is complain about their job and complain about it. I'm like, that's so cool. It's such a great place. But someone else could go, geez, I work at pick wherever you want, Target, Walmart, whatever. And then go, oh, man, this guy, he's he likes his job and I got to work with these these suckers. So it's all in your individual interpretation and percent or perception of it that, oh, man, he does have it better than me. I need to go somewhere else. Whereas maybe there's things that he's not documenting that suck there. I'm not saying they do, but you might only be seeing maybe he just has a different perception towards it. He loves what he does and his area works great and he has a great manager. You might go there. <laughs> you bring all your problems with you and it's not so great anymore. So social media is a is double edged sword. That's the metaphor for it. It's got it cuts both ways. It's great but it can be destructive and you have to just know the monster you're dealing with. Now, do you think, let me ask you this. Do you think that younger generations are going to have, and maybe even millennials, do you think that they're going to have a harder time entering into the workforce and communicating their desires, their wishes, uh, their issues, their challenges with, you know, older generations or even, you know, their peers because they're living in a world where you less and less need to actually physically communicate with people. I mean, nobody talks on the phone anymore. Everything is through text message. Everything is through email. I know there's been studies that are done. There's a, there's a great article. It's called have smartphones destroyed a generation hmm. written a few years ago, but it's, it's a timeless piece. Uh, it's called have smartphones destroyed a generation or something very similar to that. Google it. It'll come mm-hmm. up. And it really talks about how, these these kids don't really need feel the need to see each other as much because they're FaceTiming mm-hmm. um, and even FaceTiming. You're still verbally talking, but you're you're texting or you're Snapchatting or you're doing all these other things. And you think like, oh, I've stayed connected to that person. Like, you know, we don't call each other for our birthday anymore. We don't send cards. We write on each other's Facebook walls, which we think is great. But it's really actually pretty impersonal if you think about mm-hmm. it, because all I got to do is take out my phone, write two words and then. You know, your special day, which I know you completely hate birthdays. You made that point earlier. Um, But for those of us, for those (laughs) of us who still enjoy our birthdays and think that we enjoy us, we need a special day every once in a while for our mental health. Uh, (laughs) You know, specific, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, we need to, you know, a lot of times like, oh, I wrote on his Facebook wall. That's why I still try to um, text, you know, my good friends. And I'm going to get in trouble for this because I'm sure there's somebody I didn't text on their birthday and I only wrote on their wall. And uh, they're going to say that. But uh, and do you think that and getting back to my original question, which I asked a half an hour ago, <laughs> do you think that generate these younger generations are going to have a harder time communicating in the real world because they're growing up in an age where they're not talking to each other verbally? They're just kind of, you know, using social media and other types of memes. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of things. There's there is the legitimate reality of it. And then there's the even the thing that millennials get caught up in, right, where people come in and go, this is different than when I was young, so it must be inherently bad. And I think the proof will be in the pudding, but I never want to criticize something just because it's new in the technology or even even your article, even though it might be absolutely true and present great points. People said that the radio was going to destroy things. They said that the TV was going to destroy things. Hey, who the heck knows? Maybe that is why we are where we're at in life, right? So maybe they were right that it, it, their idea was it takes you away from time with your family. It takes you away from... Um, 
you know, hearing ideas from people and you're just getting it broadcast and you can't censor it. You can't stop it and all these things. So they had some things that you're like, oh, that's crazy. We've been dealing with these things for so long and it hasn't destroyed us yet. Who knows? Maybe there are some serious underlying things. It seems obvious with the phone that there are going to be some effects in the way that we communicate. Will they inherently be bad? Who knows? I, For me, they will be and that I think there are certain things that are tried and true, whether they change or not. Because we, we brought this up and I, I asked people, I said, how much of your communication comes through? And you, a lot of people have heard of this before and you might even know it. How much of your communication is just in the words? And I, I pulled 100 people that were in the room and like 50, probably actually 70, no, more than that all got it wrong. There was like 10 people that got it right. 7% of what you say is the text. The rest of it is your tone your body language, the, the the ways that you can convey it that you can only get from actually looking in somebody's face and eyes and all the expression that they make and the way that they say it. So that's 93% of it. So the idea that we can start communicating and cut out all that human interaction and not have negative effects, I think would be silly to assume we wouldn't. So I think, yes, you're absolutely going to probably have people that are less like, I mean, think about this. Let's make a good example. You said Tinder, but for whatever, imagine the idea of Tinder. Tinder is, I already know you like me and you like me and I like you. There's no pressure. There's no, there's no nervousness. There's no nothing. When you had to go up and ask somebody and face the potential rejection of it, that builds character. I'm just going to say it does. When you have to go and put yourself out there and get rejected, it's very easy to just, oh, someone already likes me. Well, I, I can be totally different. I already know. And so I can act a certain way or whatever. Um, we are using technology in a way that is taking out a human component to it. And just like you said, birthdays or whatever. I mean, I hate birthdays. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I just said they shouldn't be <laughs> national holidays. That was my only point. Um, Nobody said it was a national holiday. It's just one day I want to take off from work. Yeah, I, I think that hurts you, though. I can tell how personal that was towards you. I'm just saying. <laughs> let's, let's move on from that. Um, there will be things that when we start removing humans from it, you're right. People feel like they're, they're, we're isolating ourselves. You would think social media should connect us to more people, but now we're isolating them. So I think of how many people are binge-watching television shows versus having to go out and intermix with people and, and chat with them, and, and we're, we are separating ourselves. And I think there will be negative consequences from that and we should if anything see those coming and go isn't this obvious that people need to interact more how can we leverage the positives of social media and mitigate the negative aspects of that like not knowing how to take cues from people that's the biggest thing you only get to understand people's emotions by experience them and looking in their face and when you say something you go oh i, I said that in a way that was going to be taken that way and now you get smarter you get emotionally more intelligent when you remove all that you don't, right? You don't know. You don't know how to interact with people properly. You just have to have experience doing it. Period. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that is again, you it's 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 basic. It's timeless. There's nothing new in social media. It's a matter of if you're not practicing something, if you're not doing something, um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna fall behind on mm -hmm. it. And I think that's a very, again, I think that's why we need to be teaching social media in class. I also think that I think it's crazy that you know. Education tends to try to keep up with the times. And I, again, I think that's probably a controversial statement. There's probably a lot of ways where it doesn't keep up with the times. But again, I mean, when, when technology became relevant, we started teaching on computers. Um, when different things become relevant, we start to work them into the curriculum. But somehow we all of a sudden created a generation where everybody's got a, a computer in their pocket. Mm -hmm. 
And nobody's talking about what that does. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about the do's. Nobody's talking about the don'ts. I mean, cell phones, you know, it's, when I was in high schools, you can't have a cell phone. Okay, but it's different now because it doesn't matter if you can't tell me. I'm still going to have it, and it's still going to connect me, and I'm still going to use it in the bathroom. I'm still going to use it at lunch. I'm going to use it when you're not looking. So instead of, you know, burying your head in the sand and hoping the problem goes away, let's address it head on. And the problem is is that you have this incredibly powerful tool in your pocket. I mean, think about it. You have an actual computer in your pocket. 30, 40 years ago, computers were the size of a room and they were thousands and thousands of dollars. Now you can get one by paying $20 a month on a payment plan. So even a high school student with a 20 hour a week job could get a smartphone. It really doesn't cost that much anymore if you really break it down. And we have no way of teaching them the right way. And we have no way of showing them that, hey, this is how it's going to affect the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. If you decide that you're going to live your entire life through a friggin' phone, then when you get older, you're going to have a hard time applying for jobs. You have a hard time keeping jobs, keeping relationships, building that life that you want. But you have no idea because you don't know that life is coming. So why do I care? I'm just going to use my phone because I want it now. I want to enjoy this now. I want something that's easy. I want this. This is the easiest way possible. It's a lot easier for me to write on somebody's Facebook page than to wish them a happy birthday. It's a lot easier for me to watch a Netflix show 10 episodes in a row than watch one a week and spend the rest of my time you know, communicating with other people. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing that. We're not saying, we're not addressing that there's an actual problem. Social media is a problem. Smartphones are a problem. They're, they have damaging effects. They can have devastating effects. We, yeah, this is the positive side and there's a lot of that, but there's also this great negative side that we're not talking about. We're not preparing these younger generations and we're going to start to feel it. We're going to start to feel it big time. And I don't know how to stop it at this point because every day that goes by more and more people are, are becoming, you know, more introverted, more introverted, and just kind of, you know, not really, you know, developing themselves, not developing their communication skills, not developing their interpersonal skills. And we're going to, I think we're really going to start to feel the effects of that. And I think this is a, a pretty big problem that nobody's really taking the time out to address. Or not nearly enough. I mean, even what you, what you said there, a lot of people will hear that or they'll think about it or they've seen people with similar sentiments and they think, oh, well, that's just an old person's opinion about what younger people are doing. And and I've made the argument that we do that with every generation. We always criticize the new thing that they're into. Uh, but there is no arguing with the fact of, of the science behind it. So we have laws and rules. And I remember first hearing this from Simon Sinek, and that was a, it was a viral video about millennials and people probably didn't like the way it summed certain things up. But I think it had this this part nailed down is that we have rules and laws about when you can gamble. We've got rules and laws about when you can do certain kinds of controlled substances and and uh, drinking, all kinds of things to prevent you from getting addicted and, and uh, you know, basically engaging in something highly addictive before you're developed to understand. The cell phone does the exact same, and social media specifically, is the exact same thing. It's a dopamine hit. It's a drug of your brain. It's not that the things that the drugs and alcohol and gambling and all kinds of vices that we could mention, they give you a, a mental high when you do them. And you get addicted to that mental high. So now, not only um, am I posting on social media, I've got to get the right amount of likes. What do people think about me? Oh, I've got to post this kind of content so more people like it. Oh, I've got to take that down because that doesn't um, fit with this or not enough people liked it. You're creating a lot of neuroses and you're giving somebody essentially a, a, a drug at maybe as early as nine years old and it's unrestricted. 
it's it, if you know, I'm not saying that government needs to come in and tell parents you can't give anybody cell phones until they're 18, but you have to understand that it's not a lot different than opening up the alcohol and saying, hey, if you're having a bad day, just just go have a couple shots. That always works, right? We're saying, hey, if you're having a bad day, just go on social media and do this and do that and and maybe even disconnect from humans and all. There's all kinds of ramifications that we should be thinking about. So for me personally, when I have kids, I don't really care if they're not keeping up with the Joneses and their, their little freaks in school because they don't have cell phones. I'm going to be like, no, nah, I know that there are going to be serious ramifications from that. Go talk to people. I, go go do something because we've learned enough to know that you, you need to either properly prepare people for how to use this and or you need to limit it because there are negative effects. And it will be very interesting to see what happens in the next 10 to 20 years when Millennials become parents mm-hmm. and millennials become managers and directors and CEOs and take on those type of roles to see if they continue to do what they've done and what we've done. If they continue these trends and they get worse or whatever, or if they do what you just said and say, you know what? I grew up in an age where we were addicted to our smartphones. You're not going to do that. I grew up in an age where I you know, was chastised for wanting a work-life balance. I'm not going to do that to you. And maybe it goes far as, hey, when I was when I was your age, you know, when I was straight out of college, I really wanted a work-life balance and I didn't get it. But now that I run this company, I'm going to make sure that I do things the way I want to do them. Mm-hmm. That's why I think we're moving towards working from home. I think we're moving towards flexible hours. And I think you're going to see a pretty radical shift in a lot of those things because millennials, you know, a lot of times get thought of as young kids, right? Like, oh, 15, 16, 20 year olds. And they're not. I mean, they're as old as 31, 32, 33. And the next five to 10 years, we're going to start having kids and we're going to get into our 40s and our 50s and we're going to get into managerial roles. And I think it's going to be a fascinating time to see if we continue to be these people, if we evolve into something different. And best of all, worst of all, if we then turn around and forget what we were like at that age and chastise younger generations. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, the the cell phone and the idea of it, it, it's a great technological revolution and nobody knew it was going to do the things that it's doing. But we all pretty much know it's kind of like smoking. People knew that smoking was bad for you well before it was banned from certain things. So it's not about banning it or, or it's about parents and, and society talking about it and, and recognizing that if you're just going on there to get likes or you're just going on to do this or you're addicted to something, I mean, actually addicted. I've seen <laughs> I've seen even my nieces and nephews. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing them under the bus here, but have meltdowns about their phone. I mean, that that's stuff that drug addicts have, right? <laughs> like just a meltdown. How dare you mm-hmm. take it away? No, I need like, no, you don't actually need it. But if you if it's your dopamine drug dealer, you do need it, right? Otherwise, you are going to actually be depressed, right? You are going to feel isolated and disconnected when nobody had them before and everybody was fine. So that's not – it sounds like an old people argument <laughs> as it comes out of my mouth. No, you're absolutely right. I mean my biggest – if you want to see me panicked – And you want to see the funniest thing that goes on in this house is when I'm about to go to the bathroom and I realize I don't have my phone on me and I might have to sit on the, I might have to sit on the toilet for 10 minutes and not look at a phone. I mean, mean, it's literally panic time. I'm like, wait, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? (laughs) You know, I don't know how, I don't know how older generations went to the bathroom without their phone. (laughs) What do I do in here? (laughs) But again, like in all seriousness, like this is another thing about, you know, smartphones and, and social media is that. Because we're always connected, because there's always something to do, we don't have the time to think anymore. Mm. 
We don't have the time to daydream. We don't have the time to be creative. You know what I do on my way to work in the morning and people think I'm nuts? Three or four mornings out of the week, I don't even listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. I drive in complete silence. People think I'm a friggin' psycho for doing, but because it, it allows my brain to just wander mm-hmm. and just think of things and say things out loud and, and, and be creative. And you don't get to do that anymore. I mean, you're on a long car ride. You know, as a kid, you don't get to daydream. You don't get to think about things anymore. You're constantly plugged in. You're constantly oh, yeah. reading. I, I mean, I've seen, um, I've seen families that you know they're waiting for their food at a restaurant, and both kids have an iPad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they'd be crawling all over the walls if we didn't give them to them. Like, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> I was like, because we did it before. But the problem is, is that you don't want to have to reprimand them. So you're you're actually making social media parent your kids. Mm-hmm. You're making technology parent your kids. So you don't have to do the hard stuff. Right, or YouTube parent your kids, basically. Yeah. Well, and and so yeah, we we really need to to wrestle this as a society because at least I think people are talking about it, but nobody's taking as much action as you really need on it. And you're absolutely right. You have to make conscious decisions to shut it off. How many people go to bed with their phone on social media, scrolling, fall asleep, wake up? I mean, most people sleep. Most people, their phone is more (laughs) close to them than their significant other. They sleep with it. It's the first thing they do when they wake up. It's the last thing before they go to bed. Where's the human interaction? Where's the people? And that it's just so funny because it sounds like I shouldn't be making this argument, like I said before, but we need to start thinking about how this plays a role in our life because everybody you talk to says when they disconnect, that's when they get all this clarity. That's when they feel more happy, right? And then they go back into it. I mean, what's becoming incredibly popular with, with millennials is disconnected vacations, vacations where you're going out to nature with no technology. I mean, isn't that kind of funny or, or silly or also telling that you have to take a vacation from technology to really recharge? Mm-hmm. Because again, you're constantly in contact and it's not always a good thing because when you're scrolling through Facebook, you're seeing everybody whose life is better than yours. When you're scrolling through Twitter, you're seeing every bad thing that is going on because every news every news outlet is reporting every bad thing that's going on in the world. When you're scrolling through LinkedIn, you're seeing all these people starting their new jobs or loving their jobs. So it's really what you're seeing. I mean, you're just seeing a bunch of people living a better life than you or you know, being reminded that your life has no meaning. Regardless of whether or not those things are true, doesn't really matter. It's kind of the way these, you know, are making you feel. On top of that, you get a ton of emails, whether it be work emails or personal emails, and everybody's got a sale for you, and everybody wants to sell you something, mm-hmm. or, um, and you're, you're constantly getting buzz, buzz, buzzed, and and yeah, I mean, you get a dopamine hit every time your phone buzzes because something exciting's happening, but it can also become very overwhelming. And again. Where this is clearly an issue that you're right. I mean, some people are talking about it, but I mean, nobody's really building anything around mm-hmm. it. Well, that um, might be the, the best aspect that we can say is that that'll be the personal responsibility. Um, you as a parent, you're going to have to make the right decision. You have to know the facts. You have to learn what it is. Hopefully you listen to somebody that gives you something like this. So you think about it and you go, I'm a, I am going to do something different. And even for myself, instead of going to bed, listening to YouTube, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to change that up and I'm going to just have my thoughts or I'm going to read a book that just shuts off so instantly. It's so much less stimulating than uh, video content. Right. And then that's, we, we don't even get me started on how that affects your, your sleep and your brain and all that. Um, 
making choices that are different, using all the best aspects of technology, using all the things that it's powerful for and connecting us and sharing information and cutting out all the fat, getting rid of all the things that are either hurting you, damaging uh, your family and just and make a different decision. And, and no one's going to probably come in and police it. If anything, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to want you to be more connected. They're going to pay to keep you connected. Uh, you got bust out of the matrix. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. No, I think that's good. I mean, we're, we'll, we'll, should we bring it in for a landing where uh, we, we crushed? I, you know, I was thinking we were going to talk about how to, uh, you know, build it, but it turned in such a different way. I like the idea of the, what are we doing with technology and how are we responsible with it? So I like that. That's, that's a better turn. For yeah. Me. Yeah, definitely. Well, all right. That wraps us up for today. I love this topic of social media and, and how about we'll call it the social responsibility of social media. This is a great topic that more people need to be having the conversation about. And I think we touched on it briefly, but parents, parents, you've got the greatest opportunity out there of, of how you're going to raise your kids. And if you're just neglecting, let's say them and letting uh, the technology raise them, you need to think about what's going to be the side effects on that. So I, uh, you know, easy for me to say, but it's still, I think it's, it's important for them. Uh, what, what do you got? What do you got, Kyle? What's uh, what's our big new things? What are you doing with the, I know you mentioned a little bit, but what else? Yeah. So just basically, uh, you know, book those two speaking engagements today. Uh, I have another one. I'm probably going to be able to announce. I'll be announcing, uh, the Bronx, uh, engagement probably tomorrow. And then probably on Monday, I will give the details on the New Jersey, uh, Trenton engage Trenton, New Jersey engagement. And then I'm hoping sometime next week to announce the Princeton, Princeton, New Jersey speaking engagement. And I'm hoping by the end of the year, uh, which is rapidly approaching to have a pretty big announcement regarding a pretty big university on Long Island. Uh, I'm still trying to work that one in, so stay tuned. Uh, the book is chugging along. I think since we last spoke, I actually signed on the dotted line with a publisher. So I will be uh, publishing my book through Atmosphere Press. I'll be working with Nick Court right there. He's he's awesome. Uh, anybody who's looking to write a book, I would definitely connect with Nick Courtright at Atmosphere Press. Uh, he definitely has the publisher's interest at heart, so I definitely rec- recommend him already. And other than that, I can be found at my uh, social media sites at Kyle G Speaks, uh, which is, you know, across the board, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Kyle G Speaks. And then, of course, LinkedIn is just my name. And, uh, yeah, so that's just going to be plugging along with the brand. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Millennials in Politics, Millennials and Politics uh, in, in two weeks, uh, right around the time of the midterm elections. But it's going to be, in all seriousness, it'll be a lot more than just the midterms. It's going to be about how millennials have, have shaped politics and why they're involved and why they're not involved. And I think we'll kind of get into, you know, some of the issues I think that politicians have with connecting with younger voters. Again, I, I don't want it to become a left or a right or a, an R or a D type of episode. Um, but I think that there's some, some meat on the bone there. It could be a spicy uh, I mean, Randy, topic. What are you, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it'll be good because I think politics is something that right now you either, you know, are so one way. That's the only thing that can be true. Or if you are middle of the road, you just, you're like me, like you just tend to keep your mouth shut. Like <laughs> I don't even get involved 
Like, I can't tell you how many posts I see where people don't understand what impeachment actually means. <laughs> like, whether or not you think the president should be impeached, I'm not even going to go into they that. tell people but, that, they, uh, that Bill Clinton was but, impeached, they're like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> yes, Bill Clinton was impeached. And that's not like, oh, Bill Clinton. No, he was, he was impeached. Like, people don't understand what impeachment means. It's like how you can bring up articles of impeachment. Like, first of all, nobody even says articles of impeachment. They just say impeach Trump because it's just something we say now. But regardless, I mean, if you really truly think that our president of the United States should be removed from office, which is a massive deal. But if you think that, that's fine. I don't have to agree with you or disagree with you. But understand. Understand what you're actually saying. And I don't think that, and I think that's the thing. People don't really understand what they're saying because they don't take enough of time. And those that do understand, we just keep our mouth shut for the most part. I mean, I'm talking about a lot of it today, but you don't see you don't see political stuff on my social channels because I can't be bothered. I don't want to argue with people. I don't want to get yelled at anymore. I mean, somebody asked me two years ago, why do you think Donald Trump won the election? And I explained, and I'm not going to go into it now. Won't we even go into it next week? Because that's not what the show is about. But I explained why I thought he won. And somebody was like, I can't believe you. Literally, the response was, I can't believe you support him and what he said on that Hollywood bus and all that stuff. And I said, wait a minute. Never in any of my explanations did I say I support anything the guy does. But you asked me a question why I thought he won. And I told you why he thought he won and why certain things don't matter to certain people. I'm not saying they shouldn't or they shouldn't, but it didn't matter because I didn't say what you that person a, wanted. You needed to a say. boiled down response. I think it's because uh, he's a racist and America's more racist than we've ever been. And they've been like, exactly. That's where I was thinking. <laughs> and that, that would yeah. have been, you know, because people want these simplistic answers that they don't have to contend with. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have, to, you don't have to go, well, what's really going on? And is this simple answer people are giving me? Is that all there is to it? Uh, but anyway, we're already getting too political for this. We're, we're going to be turning into a political show. Hey, let's let's yeah, call it uh, at Randy Walensky. We'll put it in the in the bottom section. You can check that out. If you want to see my super awesome Instagram page and that it's at nerdyup.com. You can see I ain't BSing you and you can hit me up on there. And my goal, because I wanted to, I'm going to get better with my social media is not only do I have goals for my social media, I'm now going to do some goals of disconnecting and when I'm not going to do things. And then I'll report on that next week, how that's gone or two weeks from now. You know what? And I will do that as well. I will, I will starting tomorrow. I will, let's see, I'll do something to the effect of trying to keep my phone in a different room when I'm at the dinner table and trying to keep my phone down and not looking at it when I'm watching television. Um, and I will let you know how difficult that is. Uh, I'm not going to stop using it while I'm on the toilet. So <laughs> at least uh, give it a good wipe with no. some peroxide every once in a while. You know, a lot of germs in there, <laughs> a lot of things you got to think about. Um, but, but yeah, so I'll try that too. And let's, let's report back on that next week. Um, and yeah, that's about it. So, uh, that's all, all the news that's fit to print. Uh, my name's Kyle Grapone, Randy Walensky, and we will see everybody in two weeks. Uh, have a good one, everybody.